Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Cam, before we get started, I just want to let the listeners know that I am recording from my new house. Woohoo! So Cam is currently staring at a massive pile of boxes behind not me. Not really. No, they're very, they're <laughs> not massive and they're kind of orderly, actually. Well, you know, the professional organizer in me had to do at least that much to be able to stand sitting in this room. <laughs> but we're getting there. It's very exciting. Happy to be here and glad to uh, sort of be through that part of this major transition in my life for sure. Oh, huge. So today we're going to pick up where we left off last week and tackle task management from the practical side. So last week we talked about the ADHD manifestation side of task management and how ADHD can get in the way of good task management. This week we're going to talk about the functional side. What does one do in order to manage tasks well? And so what I'm going to do, Cam, is I'm going to talk about a three-step system that I teach anytime I speak on time management. And listeners, this is not intended to be an end-all, be-all. For some of my clients, it is. For some, it's a starting point. It's a way to start building good habits, to really get a clear picture of the landscape of tasks that you have before you, and then to learn from there what you need in order to manage your tasks well. And so don't think of this as a prescriptive system. Think of it as a place to start. And it's more about the habits than the system itself. Are you ready, Cam? I am. Uh, uh, one little side note before we jump in. Um, last week, we were talking a little bit and I was listening to the episode over the weekend. And we were talking about different work situations. And in part, there's the ADD at play. And in part, it could be a work environment that's untenable. And that making choices about where to create that meaningful workday, that environment has a lot to do with it. The thing that we didn't talk about were a couple of things, modifications and accommodations. And so just to the listener, we recognize that, that we didn't talk about it. We haven't talked about it really in, in great length, and we will at some point. But that's always an option is to sort of go the route of, you know, certainly this podcast is all about modification. When we are translating, we are modifying, we are adjusting. But accommodation is another avenue to certainly look at. And uh, we'll talk about that at some future date. I just wanted to insert that. But yeah, let's, let's jump in to the practical side. I think people have been waiting. So I'll shut up and let you go. <laughs> okay, Cam, step one, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, step one is to write it down. And this is important because the part of our brain that helps us remember to remember at the right time and place relies on cues. This is called prospective memory. It is separate from short-term and long-term memory. It's its own little thing. And it's kind of faulty by design because it's looking for cues to help us remember the right things. So Cam, when we don't write things down for ourselves, we're relying on some unknown cue to help us remember. So if you've ever had that experience where you suddenly remember something really important at the totally wrong time and place, some cue brought that up for you. So writing it down bypasses that 
sort of faulty perspective memory and puts it in a safe place so that you now have a cue of your own to remember to remember. Yeah. And when you say write it down, it's not necessarily literally write it down. It's, It's really about capturing it, whether it's paper or electronically. It's the capture. We want to capture this stuff and get it out of the head and into some place where we can, again, see it in a different way. It can provide a cueing or a prompting. Absolutely. And so I usually recommend starting the write it down process by doing a brain dump, sitting down for 15 or 20 minutes with a piece of paper and pen or at your computer and writing down everything that comes to mind, not just tasks, but ideas, projects, goals for the future, trips you want to take, things you want to do. So you may have stuff like take out the trash next to stuff like go to Tahiti or learn French. And that is okay because this is not intended to be a list of commitments. It's intended to free up some brain space to get these open loops out of your brain and onto storage somewhere else. The, I, sorry, I'm, just, I'm so excited about this because this is a place where many of our clients will, will not do this for a couple different reasons. Is that, well, they've done this before, they do the brain dump, and then they don't continue on. And so back to the three-step process is the three steps together is what we're talking about here. But getting it out and to free up that mental space, to be more objective, to free up that bandwidth. And this is so important. And I appreciate you saying that as like, it doesn't matter how you do it. It's that you do it and get some space from the stuff in your head, get it out into another place. Absolutely. And this is a practice I come back to anytime I start to feel like I have too many open loops in my head. I go back to my own brain dump list and I add to it. Just get it out, download it. And usually that'll happen in times when I'm overwhelmed, like moving, trying to paint an entire house, right? It's something that my clients do too, when they notice that they're starting to feel that overwhelm again, when they feel like they don't have a good grasp on what the landscape of tasks before them is and what's outstanding, what's important. This can be a great place to start, just to sort of clear the decks, pull anything out that you might be missing along the way. And this is a great place to use emotion as a partner. And we talk about emotional organizing. When we don't dump stuff, we tend to fall into emotional organizing of like, what do I feel like doing in this moment? What do I not feel like doing? But here you're saying, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, there's an emotional component there. What is the emotional signature of overwhelm? To recognize that and to stop, because we'll just kind of keep pushing through. Like, I got to keep going. I got stuff to do. I don't have time to brain dump. I've got too many things to do. But to really recognize that and come back to, uh, wait a sec, something's trying to tell me something here around, I'm at capacity. Maybe I'm over capacity. I need to free up some space. Absolutely. So Cam, anything else you want to say about step one and writing it down before we move on to step two? I'm like so excited. I'm like, I just, I'm like fired up. I'm fired up. Fired up, Shelly. Sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. So step two is to create a master list of tasks. 
This is different than your brain dump list because we are only putting things on the master list that we are committed to doing. So if you want to learn how to play guitar someday, that's one of mine, by the way, somewhere in this pile, there's like a guitar. There is a guitar in this pile of stuff back here. And one of mine is to learn how to play guitar. It's not currently on my master list because I do not have the time or resources to allocate toward it. And I'm prioritizing other things right now. So it lives on the brain dump list is something for the future or a maybe, but I'm not committed to it. So the master list is for the things that you have committed to. Cam, your six C's is a really helpful way to think of the master list because everything before commitment is sort of the brain dump. Once we get to commitment, that is where you move it to the master list. Right. And you are installing a boundary here. It's like a velvet rope. Think of this as sort of concentric velvet ropes. It's kind of like the the club within the club. And there is a velvet rope between the brain dump and the master list. And I think that because we struggle with boundaries, we brain dump and then we think, oh, it's on my list. Therefore, I need to do it. And we don't make that key distinction between just getting the stuff out of your head is important to have awareness of it, number one. Then there's the decision-making process to decide what is it that's on this list that I can go ahead and move into this over this velvet rope or through the velvet rope to the next inner circle, this exclusive place. And again, every exclusive place, you know, there's the club and then there's the back room and the back room is the next velvet rope. You want to be very protective of those things that you're really committed to. Absolutely. Spot on, Cam. And the other thing that happens when we create a master list of things that we are committed to doing and only those things is it becomes a lot easier to choose what we will do because you're not looking through a list of things that make you feel ashamed. I've owned a guitar for 15 years. So having that on my list staring at me is something that can make me feel bad that I haven't gotten around to it yet. Goals that aren't attainable to me right now can make me feel bad because I don't have the time for it, you know, or just a list cluttered with things that I really am not committed to can make you feel terrible. So you scroll through and you're trying to pick out the things that you actually either have to do right now or that you're really committed to do right now. And you're going through this shame cycle along the way. Right. And last week we talked about motivation. We don't want the list to be this giant demotivator, which I think is, again, one of the reasons why people don't use a list is it's not motivating because instead of motivation, they have this emotional response of depression, shame, guilt, and just a plethora, a smorgasbord of negative emotions. Spot on, spot on, Cam. And so the master list is intended to bypass that by leaving all of the things on the smorgasbord somewhere else. (laughs) Okay, are you ready for step three? Yeah, ready. Step three is to plan your day. Now, listeners, I imagine some of you just clenched up like, oh, 
I'm really bad at planning. Hey, I'm really bad at planning too. I get it. So this is really, really easy planning your day. Are you ready for it, Cam? So easy. Go for it. So the goal here is every day, pick one to three things off of your master list that you will do or work on today. Why one to three? Well, whether at work or at home, you have lots of things that fill your day. And those of us with ADHD tend to forget that. Even the neurotypicals that I speak to on time management tend to forget that. Talking to colleagues, email, answering the phone, responding to things, getting things back to other people that they need a turnaround on in the same day, dealing with clients if that's something that you have. There are lots of things throughout our workday and our home day that are there every day and that take a lot of time. So the idea here is to choose one to three things outside of that stuff to work on for the day. And that one to three is, you know, if I've got meetings all day, maybe it's a one day, maybe it's even a none day. The point is I'm making a decision. And the second thing is it feels really crappy to cross one to three things off of a 50 item to-do list, but it feels amazing to cross one to three things off of a one to three thing to-do list. Right. And along with that, there's an element of feeling at choice having three things. So you have choice, but not too much choice. Because if you put one thing and guess what? I mean, just some certain day, you just don't feel like, or you just don't have it to work on that one thing. Having two or three things on that list gives you some options. And that sense of control that, again, is an important ingredient around creating a meaningful workday. I'm glad you brought that in, Cam. I'm thinking about a client who actually does five things for that reason. She has that freedom value on board. This is actually the client that brought us freedom from and freedom to. That was her language. And so she does a five thing list so that she feels like she has lots of options, even if it's only going to be a one or two thing day. Feeling like she gets to be at choice and she has the freedom to decide and to adjust along the way if her day turns out differently than she anticipated. And so maybe there's not bandwidth to tackle the really hard task, but there is bandwidth to tackle some of the other things. So I'm really glad that you brought that in. So again, these are not hard and fast rules. This is a structure for you to start to build habits so that you can learn what works for you and adjust it as needed along the way, which kind of brings us to tools. How do you do this brain dump and this master list and this daily list? When I have clients try this as an exercise, and when I give a presentation on this system, I emphasize this point above all others. Use what you already have. Do not go down a tool rabbit hole because this may not be the system you ultimately end up using. So if you prefer paper, grab a notebook that you already have. Put your daily list on a sticky note. If you prefer electronic, use a task manager that you already have. Don't go looking for something else because you can add to the system later if you need to. Some people do, some people don't. I basically use 
this system or a slightly modified form of it for my own task management. I have other clients who have modified it heavily because their lives are more complicated than mine. And so they need further ways to distinguish. So love that. And again, the you're just giving this basic template to start from and come back to. This is not the end-all be-all, but these are three important elements of the brain dump, get it out of the head. Go ahead and Again, the first rope is around the master list of what is it that we're aware of? What is it we're going to engage with that we're committing to doing? And so that's that master list. And then there's another rope in the sense of your day is precious. Here you have this day and to make this choice of what am I going to do today? Recognizing that, you know, I, I use the equation that half my day even if I don't have clients, like half my day is going to be things that are just showing up. It's just, you know, the price of work where you're just showing up and fielding responses, taking care of things. And that here are these little nuggets. I mentioned that this last week with that client who falls into the jet stream and has his project X time. And it's like, I'm going to nudge this thing that only matters to me. As I was looking at this, I was noticing I use the same list. I use the same method. And again, my modification for me is around this between the master list and plan your day. And so again, it's as you work with this listeners, you're going to start to do your modification and Shelly's going to tools, but I just want to bring in uh, the methodology piece before we get back to tools. So what you said at the beginning around queuing and prompting is so important for me. I need an additional layer of queuing between the master list and plan your day. And uh, I've been using a planner pad. Not, I'm not plugging planner pad, but I like their process there of capture, categorize, prioritize. It's very similar to this. And that categorization of my master list, it's too big for me. So what I do is I kind of put those into specific categories. I need that cue. Because I'm not thinking about marketing. I'm not thinking about admin. I'm not thinking about bookkeeping. I'm not thinking about that stuff. I'm thinking about my clients. I'm thinking about my collaborations. I'm thinking about the stuff that interests me. So I need to have some kind of a Rolodex or, or a, a device to be able to rotate through these categories just to kind of like, okay, is there anything in admin that I got to take care of? Is there anything in marketing I got to take care of? just to kind of rotate through, through these sort of six or seven areas, personal too, just to give my brain a little bit of an edge to consider these things. And if I'm rotating through, and then I'm going to, that's where, and then I select it into my day. Again, our little modifications, but it always comes back to what Shelly is presenting here with this three-step process. Start here, practice this. And slowly bring in elements that have to do with your unique presentation of your work day. Cam, I love that you said that this is something that you can always come back to because I have a great example from my own life recently where I did just that. Getting divorced in the era of COVID, buying a house, separating from a business partner. 
These are all things that have been on my plate in the last three months. This started around July, right? It's now early October. Yeah. So my normal method of not categorizing, because normally, Cam, for me, if I categorize, I ignore the categories that I don't love so much. So it's better for me to keep the menu of items together, including keeping home and work together. But in this instance, I had so many different huge buckets, huge buckets that required so many steps that it just, I couldn't do it that way. So I started a Trello board, one for the divorce, one for the move, one for the business separation, and dumped into each of those all of the things that I thought of, and then moved the ones that I needed to pay attention to into my to-dos. So using the exact same system that I've always used, but thinking about what do I need here right now that is different from what I normally do? Because normally I'm a paper person, but I just didn't have time or the bandwidth to write all that stuff down. I type faster than I write. Having everything really visual in this instance, because it was so complex, helped me see what the next step was. What was the next thing that I could be doing to move any one of these tasks forward? I like, I like Trello. Many of my clients use it. And again, it's not so much about the tool. It's more about the purpose of the tool. Trello lets us look at a situation on a broader landscape, the big picture, the board of buying and moving buying a house with all that closing and all the logistics that go with that, you're absolutely right. You're not going to put that into a single master list to pull that out and kind of like spreading those cards out on the table to look at them, move them around a bit. I want to say two things there. One is that adaptability, that ability to adjust. Back in July, when this is all happening, you didn't, you know, back in March, you didn't know this was going to happen. And so I think we can often think that, oh, I'm just going to get a tool and I'll be on my way. Again, that destination thinking that I just need the perfect tool. I just need a perfect process and everything's fine. Meanwhile, life interrupts, listener. Life interrupts. We will lock into an expectation or a certain path that it's going to be. And then we're surprised when it doesn't work out that way. So you being able to kind of recognize in that situation of my system is not going to be enough here. I need to really consider what do I need to do to it? So it does serve me and I don't serve it. So two things, again, it's that awareness piece of recognizing and anticipating what's going on and that the demands, the open loops are expanding. So you need to address that. Number one, number two, is the time commitment there. We feel often we don't have time to do this important work. So that Trello board did not magically occur. You set aside time, attention, and energy to do that, which isn't client work. It isn't podcasting. It isn't taking your product to market, but it's in absolute support of taking your product to market. So giving yourself some time, listeners, to really kind of think about this. But remember, not too much, 
because we can get kind of caught in that planning research rabbit hole. Well said, Cam. And this is where I will come back to. This is about the habits, not the tool. I did not spend an inordinate amount of time with Trello. I made three boards. I brain dumped. I drug the things from the brain dump into the to-do category that I knew I needed to do right away. And I've been using it like that ever since. And it's because I've built these habits first. I've built this method of letting it be easy by following these three steps with modifications where I need them and not letting the system itself become so onerous and overcomplicated that I won't interact with it. And trust me, I love a beautiful system. Okay. Ask me to see my filing system sometime. But when the system itself is so complicated and hard to interact with, or when we spend too much time looking for a tool that will do it just the right way, we're missing the bigger point. And so the bigger point for me was I needed a place where I could more easily see the landscape of tasks and where I could get them out quickly, which meant I needed to be able to type them. I happened at the time to have a client that was using a Trello board in our coaching that was shared with me. So I was already in that tool and knew that it would do the job well enough. And thankfully, it did. Now, if it didn't, maybe I would have found something else. But the trick here is to try first, to build the habit, to use what you have, to get in the practice of writing it down, and then go from there rather than trying to build the system first and force your task list into that system. Well said. I think that's a great place to finish up today. All right. So listeners, if you love what we're doing here on the show, there are a couple of big ways in which you can help us out. The first is to leave a rating or review wherever you listen to the show. That helps other people find us. The second is to tell a friend. If you know someone else with ADHD that could benefit from this show, please let them know. Don't keep us a secret. There's enough of us to go around. Number three is to become a patron. If you visit the website, translatingadhd.com, click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. You can support the show for $5 a month, and you can join our Discord community and discuss episodes and all things ADHD with Cam, I, and the other listeners who have joined. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.